what's coming up now on Established in the Faith. We got these bright boys that come up and they say, oh, it's global warming. We need to spend more money and try to cut down on pollution. And we need to do this and we need to do that. Good grace and mercy. We're spending $27 billion a year on this so-called problem of global warming. Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce of Friendship, Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina, and how so very pleased and happy we are to be with you today. Got a great message lined up for you. Hope you can stay with us for the next 30 minutes. If not, let me encourage you to go over to establishedinthefaith.com. There you can listen to today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. Well, we're going to go on into the message now. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to let me encourage you, if you will, to uh, go over to establishedinthefaith.com if you are computer savvy at all. We brought that website online back first of the year. There's now about 73 messages uploaded to that site. As you go across the top of the website, you'll go over to a spot where it says podcast, and then there's a little drop down, and you'll see one on there. We did what's called the Candlestick Series, and uh, I think you'll find some very important information there. That'll help you in your Christian walk. Someone said something a while ago about the light shining and whatnot. There's a number of sermons there, about three of them, I think, that might be of some help to you. Establishedinthefaith.com. As well, uh, the radio program airs every Sunday morning on WAGO 88.7 FM at 9 o'clock from 9 to 9.30. And back about a year or so ago, uh, dear lady... She was frustrated. There were some things going on in her church, and uh, she left early, got in the car, and was going down the road and happened to be going across the stations, and she ran across our program. And uh, when she heard what was said, this lady's down in Greenville. She drove from Greenville all the way up to Friendship, our church, and uh, took her about an hour's drive and we had already started the service I guess it was about 11 30 quarter to 12 something like that they turned the service to me and I was right in the middle of preaching and she come in the front door of the church or the back door however you want to come in and took a seat on the back row and I just kept right on preaching when the service ended she told about her experience and whatever the case and she said preacher I would have been here sooner she said, but I like to never found your church. Y'all so far out here in the sticks. <laughs> but at any rate, uh, the church is a small congregation of people. I guess uh, uh, when I started there, it was maybe about 35, 40 members at the most. And since I've been there, a number of them have passed away. I think we've lost about 8 to 10 members uh, since I've been there. And uh, we have one member that passed away last year. Some arrangements had been made uh, before I ever came to the church for the preacher before me to handle the service. But I did have a part. They wanted me to play a song, and the name of the song was End Well. 
And this lady handed me her cell phone about five minutes prior to the beginning of the service. The family had done lined up at the front door, and I'm up there in front of everybody sitting behind the fern, you know, controlling the sound system. And she comes in the choir loft, opens the door, and hands me the cell phone. Said, you're the preacher? I said, yes. She said, you need to play this song right here on my cell phone. I said, okay. So I got her phone in my hand, and the service is done started, and this one's getting up, and that's going on, whatever the case. And I looked at her phone, and I didn't have a cable to go from the phone to the sound system. So here I am sweating. So I just kind of get up and ease on back there to my office, and I fiddle around in the drawer and come back in there and found me a cable. Plugged that thing in and hooked it up. Now, I'm going to tell you, I do not like having to do something and ain't tested it out to see if it works. But it's too late now. The funeral doesn't start. I don't know if this thing going to work or not. Well, I'm looking at the schedule, and the last man gets up before I'm supposed to play that song. And I said, well, I better get ready here. And I tapped her phone, and it was locked. I didn't know the password to get into her phone. Lord, what in the world am I going to do? And I'm sitting here holding the phone, and I've done got through one problem. How am I going to open that? So I started beating it on my lap like that's going to make it unlock. Miraculously, and the Lord hears me, that phone unlocked. I don't know what I did, but that phone unlocked. And I could tell the man's getting to the end of his story. Getting time for me now to do my part. And I look at the phone and I get to thinking, what if somebody calls this woman? Her ringtone's going to go off and go all over the church sound system. So I'm sitting here shaking just as nervous. And then I look at her phone and she had 5% battery life. I said, when this thing starts, if it starts, and there ain't enough battery power to play this song, it is not going to end well. (laughs) (laughs) All right, enough of that. Let's get on into the Word of God tonight. If you have your Bibles tonight, turn with me, please, to the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18, move down, if you will, to verse 30. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And I just want to stop right there for just a few minutes and preach tonight on repairing the broken down altar. Repairing the broken down altar. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for His help tonight. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You for every person that's under the sound of my voice. I thank You for those who are tuned in by the internet and by the radio tonight, Lord. You know their needs. And Lord, You know that if I say things, those words will fall to the ground. But Lord, if Your anointing be in it, 
then, Lord, you can take those words to the hearts of your people. So, Lord, tonight I'm asking for the anointing of your Spirit to rightly divide this word of truth. Lord, establish every word in my mouth. Lord, may needs be met as you anoint your people to hear and receive of your word tonight. Lord, I pray that your people will be drawn closer to you, deeper into your word, and led more by your Spirit. And we're careful to give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. The northern kingdom of Israel existed for about 250 years. And the Bible records that during that entire 250 year period of time that not a single righteous king sat upon the throne of the northern kingdom. And with each new king, Israel would go further and further, deeper and deeper into sin. And they were drifting further and further away from God. And the Bible records that King Ahab did more to provoke God to anger than any other king who had come before him. In the 16th chapter of the book of Kings, the Bible tells us that he did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. He took a wife by the name of Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbal, king of the Zidonians. Went and served Baal and worshipped him. He even built a house for Baal and then built an altar of worship for Baal. He made a grove and Again, the Bible says, if you'll look there in verse 33, that he did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings that had gone before him. What Ahab did, he caused confusion in the minds of God's people. Simply because the name Baal means... Master, possessor, husband. Now Jehovah God said, I am your master and I am your husband. So when the people referred to God as Baal, to a certain extent they were right. But to another extent, they were wrong because the name Baal that Ahab was promoting was a heathenistic god that so-called controlled the weather. And it created confusion. And let me tell you, that was a long, long time ago. But there is still a lot of confusion in the minds of God's people. And let me just share this with you. One of the big things today that's going on in churches is what is known as contemplative prayer. Now, what is contemplative prayer? Contemplative prayer is not just contemplating while you pray. The Bible instructs us to pray with our minds. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 15, I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding, the mind also. 
I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding, the mind also. So prayer does involve contemplation. However, praying with your mind is not what contemplative prayer has come to mean. Contemplative prayer has slowly increased in practice and popularity along with the rise of the emerging church movement, a movement which embraces many unscriptural ideas and practices. Contemplative prayer is one such practice. Contemplative prayer begins with centering prayer. A meditative practice where the person focuses on a word and then repeats that word over and over again for the duration of the exercise. But now Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse 7 that when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. But the purpose of this meditative practice is to clear one's mind of outside concerns so that God's voice may be heard more easily. After the centering prayer, the person is to sit still, listen for direct guidance from God, and feel His presence. Although this might sound like an innocent practice, this type of prayer has no scriptural support whatsoever. In fact, it is just the opposite of how prayer is defined in the Bible. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, the Bible says we are to be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be known unto God. And Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 23, And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you that whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he shall give it to you. Hitherto you have asked nothing in my name, but now you can ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. So these verses, along with many, many others, clearly portray prayer as being communication with God, not some mystical meditation where only those who know the secret handshake and password can experience. But contemplative prayer by design focuses on a mystical experience with God. Mysticism, however, does not rely upon truth or fact. Yet the Word of God has been given to us for the very purpose of basing our faith and our lives on truth. And you can find that in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. What we know about God is based on fact. But when one is trusting in an experience over what the Bible says, such takes a person outside of the standard of the Bible. Contemplative prayer is no different than the meditative exercises used by Eastern cult religions and New Age cults. Its most vocal supporters embrace an open spirituality among adherents from all religions, promoting the idea that salvation is gained by many paths. Even though Christ himself stated that he was the way, the truth, 
and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by him. Contemplative prayer as practiced in the modern prayer movement is a direct opposition to biblical Christianity and should definitely be avoided. And in this article, someone responded. This is the testimony from a former mystic, and they said, I have been surrounded by wicked mystical practices all my life. I know them from the inside out, and I know how deceptive they are. They can deceive unregenerated, unsaved people into thinking for years, and in many cases, a lifetime, that they are real, active, ongoing relationship with the God of the universe. Many of these people will think they are Christians when in fact they are not. They will have aligned themselves with other professing Christians. They will attend weekly services in a church. They will be doing all of the things that they think they are supposed to be doing in order to be reconciled to God, like tithing, attending church, serving the community, sending teams to foreign countries to dig wells build infrastructure, and so forth. And a great many of these will be lost. These are the people that Jesus referred to in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Very familiar passage of Scripture that says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me ye that work iniquity. These are not self-professed atheists, Hindus, Muslims, or witches. They aren't down at the local mosque, temple, or witch's coven. They are in churches. These are people who have been deceived. Perhaps they are people that you know and are close to. Spouses, children, grandchildren, uncles, aunts, parents, friends, neighbors, co-workers, etc. If you know anyone who has become ensnared in this deceptive, mystical practice of contemplative prayer, please share this article with them. A lot of things going on in the church today to confuse and to deceive God's people. Now, I could stand up here and read article after article, things that are going on in churches today. But it is the day and age that we're living in, folks. The Bible says that in the last days that there will be some who will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And I blame the leadership. And Ahab was the leadership of that day. And he caused God's people to worship Baal. And in their minds, they thought they were worshiping Jehovah God. They thought they were saved. They had a form of godliness. But they were denying the power thereof. And in the midst of all of this, 
Elijah comes on the scene. Now, Elijah, his name means God is Jehovah. The Bible says, Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead. That's all we know about this man. We have no backstory. We have no history. And there's been a lot of commentaries and a lot of things said about Elijah. And I've heard all kind of things. But I'll tell you what I think, why God did not give us the backstory on Elijah. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Oh, but Christian, let me tell you something. The moment you come to Jesus Christ, the moment His blood is applied to the doorpost of your heart, your past is gone. There is no past. There's nothing there in Elijah's past that we need to be worried about, that we need to be concerned about. Only thing we need to know is that Elijah was a man of God. And he comes before Ahab and he says, Thus saith the Lord, There will not be any dew nor rain except according to my word. Three and a half years of drought later, the land is barren. There's not a green blade of grass to be found anywhere. There's not a green leaf on a tree anywhere. The brooks and the streams that once flowed with cold, cool water has now dried up. And there's nothing now but a dry, dusty, cracked, hardened riverbed. Had you could have been there, you would have seen the carcasses of animals that had died because of famine. You would have seen what animals were still alive. You would have seen their rib cages showing. Because there was a great famine in the land of Israel because of the drought. What we see in Israel of that day, that drought condition, all of those bad things that were going on, was but an echo of their spiritual condition. And let me tell you something. If the weather is a sign, an echo of our spiritual condition. America is in trouble, friend. You look at the past several months, the storms, the hurricanes, the wildfires out west. You look at all that's going on. And we got these bright boys that come up and they say, Oh, it's global warming. We need to spend more money and try to cut down on pollution. And we need to do this and we need to do that. Good grace and mercy. We're spending $27 billion a year on this so-called problem of global warming. That's your taxpayer money. And I don't know about you, but my money comes hard. 
I don't make but X amount a year, and then I had to turn around and give half of it to the government, and then they're going to go and blow it on such foolishness, trying to control the weather. I got news for you. God Almighty still controls the weather. Now, Satan has a legal right to do what he does in this world because of sin. And the Bible calls him the prince of the power of the air. And in the last days, sin is going to increase. And as sin increases, you're going to see the weather getting worse and worse and worse. So you could spend $150 trillion on global warming and it won't do one bit of good because it's not a problem of money it's not a problem of pollution it is a spiritual problem and our nation tonight is in deep trouble now Elijah goes before Ahab again and he says you're the one that's causing all the trouble in Israel. You see, there are some powerful forces in this nation afoot right now. Working and trying to blame all our problems on the church. Christian. See, they're wanting to blame the issue of slavery back years ago. They're wanting to blame that on the Christians. The issue of racism, they're wanting to blame that on the Christians, see. And God help us if you say anything derogatory at all about homosexuality. Persecution. You're the one that's troubling Israel. And Elijah said, no. You're the one. You've left the commandments of God. And that's why this thing has happened to you. You want to know why our nation's in the mess that it's in? We've left this book right here that I hold in my hands. That's, that's why we're in the mess that we're in tonight. We've left this Bible. And you can sow the wind, but you're going to reap the whirlwind. There was a shooting some time ago, and it was all over the news. And people were saying, where was God? Why did God allow this to happen in the schools? I sit there and screamed at the TV, you idiot, you kicked him out. Had God been in the school, you wouldn't have had that shooting. Oh, me, I can, I can say a whole lot right there. Let me move on. Elijah said, gather everybody up to Mount Carmel. We're going to settle this. So it took a little bit of time. And word went out all over Israel. And it's showdown time. And they're all gathered there on top of the mountain that day. 1 Kings 18. Verse 22, And Elijah came before all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? I want to ask that question to the church tonight. 
how long halt ye between two opinions? Now, what am I aiming this at? Either what Jesus Christ did at Calvary's cross solves the problem of mankind, or it doesn't. See? And you can't peddle humanistic psychology and promote it as a way and, and, and the cross of Christ too. You can't do it. Now, there are some out there who have mental problems. There are some out there who have chemical imbalances, and there are doctors who can, can talk to you and do blood tests on your thyroid and different things, and he can get you the help that you need. But to sit down and talk to a preacher for hours about your problem, let me tell you something. In the very beginning, God created this world. He spoke the world into existence. Everything you see, the entire universe, God spoke it into existence. Don't you think that when man fell in the garden, that if God could have resolved it by talking, he would have spoke something right then? And if God can't speak the problem out of you, how in the world do you think I can? How do you think some preacher can? He can't. There's only one remedy for man's problem, and that's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's it. There is no other answer. There is no other solution. But how long halt ye between two opinions? He said, get two bullocks. Get one for yourselves, cut it in pieces, lay it on the wood, Put no fire under it. I'll take the other one and dress it and lay it on the wood, and I'll put no fire under it. Call on the name of your gods, and I'll call upon the name of the Lord. And the one that answers by fire, let him be God. And you know the story. They got up there on that altar, and boy, they evermore did put on a show. Mm. I've run out of time. But there's some folks out there, boy, they can get up there in front of a church and they can really put on a show. Mm -hmm. Y'all mighty quiet in here tonight. You know why I'm telling the truth. There's some folks, they're only in it for the money. And they've got good talent, and they've got good ability. But God don't need no carnival show. <laughs> he just needs somebody that'll yield to Him. And get out of the way and let God have His way. That's all God needs. But boy, they got up there and they really put on the airs. They leaped on the altar, jumping up and down, calling on the name of Baal. And when that didn't work, they got out knives and started cutting themselves till the blood gushed out all over the altar. And Elijah sitting there looking at his watch. Twelve o'clock rolls around and he says, he starts to make fun of them. 
he said, uh, maybe y'all need to speak a little louder. Maybe you need to get your cell phone and maybe you're dialing the wrong number. <laughs> call him up, call him up, tell him what you want. But the Bible says out of all that hollering and leaping and jumping and stuff they were doing, there was no answer. And friend, let me tell you tonight, there is no answer in the other religions of this world. None whatsoever. Your only answer is in Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed at Calvary's cross. That's it. There is no other answer. And boy, they hollered that much more. Went on for another couple of hours, and Elijah just finally had enough. Y'all sit down and shut up. Y'all come over here now. And the Bible says that when all the people gathered around, he repaired the broken down altar of the Lord. You see? Today, when we think about an altar, we think about this area up here where the pulpit sits but back then the altar was a place where an animal would be killed and the blood would be poured out and the animal would be split open and laid upon that altar and set a fire and the smoke would go up before God it was a sin Offering, And let me tell you, there's no other way that you're going to come before God except through and by the sacrifice. See? And he repaired the broken down altar. And until the church gets back to the altar of the cross, until the church repairs the altar of the cross, preachers need to start bringing it back to the church. See? Everything. Every doctrine we have is founded on the cross of Christ. Elijah took 12 stones, and you can read it there in verse 31. 12 stones, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. 12 is God's number for government, which tells us that all government, if it's not founded on the finished work of Christ, then it's not going to be proper government. It's going to be a failure like communism. See, the reason our nation prospers the way that it does is because our nation is founded on this Bible that I hold in my hands. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oh, there's people that get all bent out of shape hearing me say that. He made a trench round about the altar. The, the trench represents separation, sanctification. Oh, now, Brother James, I can't believe you said that in a Baptist church. That, that's, a, that's a holiness thing, and that's a Pentecostal thing, and you don't need to be bringing it in here in a Baptist church. Let me tell you something. Sanctification is a Christian thing. It's a Christian thing. 
And the Bible says that you, as a child of God, you're to come out from among the world and be ye separate, saith the Lord of hosts. And I will receive you unto myself when the trump of God sounds. And some of you left here, you're going to be wondering why didn't I go? That's because you care more about what's going on in the world than you do what's going on in the church house. sanctification it's a process that every single one of us have to go through salvation is only the beginning but sanctification has to do with your everyday walk with God it's where God cleans you up oh me I wish I had more time Uh, you see a preacher told me a long time ago he said James he said when you preach don't give it all to them. He said, you want them to keep coming back. So I always save a little bit for next week. And those of you that listen to the radio program, you know, sometimes I have to say, y'all just tune in next week and I'll give you the rest of it. <laughs> but your faith in the finished work of Christ and keeping it there in Christ's finished work is the only way that the sanctification process is going to work in your life as it ought to be. It's the only way that you're going to grow in God. And Elijah put that trench around about the altar. He placed the wood in order upon the altar. Now, of course, the wood was a type of the cross. And that's God's divine order of salvation for us today. Then he cut the bullock in pieces and laid it upon the altar, verse 33. That was a type of Christ giving himself for you and I. And then he filled four barrels with water. Again, verse 33. Poured water on the sacrifice and on the wood. I want you to think about this. We've just had three and a half years of drought. The most precious commodity they have is water and Elijah says y'all get four barrels of water and dump it on the sacrifice where did the water come from Mm -hmm. now God told Elijah to do this but you think about it where did the water come from Oh, brother. Amen. Oh, let me just make a point right here. I've run out of time, but let me tell you. When God tells you to do something, you may not see it in the natural, but He can provide what is needed. Believe me, I know what I'm talking about. Because the church come to me about a year ago said, James, we're going to have to pull the radio program. We just ain't got the money to do it. That's fine. Y'all do what you got to do. But God ain't told me to pull no radio program. <laughs> so they did what they had to do and we did what we had to do and God's provided every month to make to make the to make the need. And just this week we got on another radio station and God provided for that. I got a man down in South Carolina right now. He he's got 30 radio stations across the country. Wants us to go on with him now. The program's about 30 minutes a day, a 30-minute program. And once a week, 
I figured it up on all them radio stations. It's going to cost us about $65,000 a year to do it. <laughs> Let me tell you something. The, the, the church that I pastor, we don't, even, we don't even bring in half that much money. But if God said do it, <laughs> where did the water come from? Where did the water come from? Mm. He can supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Take those barrels of water and pour it on the sacrifice. Told Him to do it three different times. Three times. Represents God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Bible said the water saturated everything. The water is a type of the Word of God. Preacher, if you're preaching this book right here, God's going to back you up. He's going to supply the need, brother. He'll do it. Now, that everything that was done there was saturated in water. Everything that we do as a church, as an individual, must be grounded and saturated in the Word of God. If it ain't in this book, friend, we don't need to do it. And everything Jesus did was according to the book. He fulfilled the law of God perfectly. He dotted every I and crossed every T. Lived a perfect life. Died on Calvary's cross. And the proof is, when he rose up out of that grave on the third day, poured water on the sacrifice, flowed all down over everything, and then Elijah prayed, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are the God of Israel, that I am your servant, and that I have done all of these things according to thy Word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that these people may know that you are Lord God, and that you have turned their heart back again. And then the Bible says that the fire fell and consumed the sacrifice. Now, wait a minute. We get all happy when we hear about the fire falling and Proving all them folk wrong. And thank God for that. But when that fire fell on that sacrifice. God saw his son Jesus Christ. Many, many years into the future it would take place. But he saw his son die on Calvary's cross and he said it is finished. The fire fell on that sacrifice. But the fire should have fell on everyone standing there that day. But the sacrifice took the hit. And Jesus Christ took the hit that you and I deserved. He paid the price. He took the judgment 
for sin that you and I deserved. Our churches need revival. And like I preached last night, until we begin to examine the field of our hearts and be honest with ourselves of what is there, there will be no revival. And I submit to you tonight that until the church comes back to the altar of the cross and we repair the broken down altar, there will be no revival. If the program today has been a blessing to you and you would like to have a free CD copy of this message, just give us a call or text us at 252-299-4234. You can also go to establishedinthefaith.com. There you will find today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. But perhaps you need someone to just talk to or to just pray with you about something. Again, just give us a call at 252-299-4234. This program is an outreach ministry of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. As well, depends on the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you. To contact us or to contribute to this ministry, go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. It's easy and all donations are safe and secure through PayPal. You can also mail us at Established in the Faith, P.O. Box 601, Bailey, North Carolina, 27807. We look forward to hearing from you. Haven. And I'm Juliana. And you've been listening to Established in the Faith with our dad, James Pierce. He's the pastor of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. We have Sunday school every Sunday morning at 945 and worship service at 11, as well as prayer meeting and Bible study every Wednesday night at 730. Go to com and click on the events tab for gospel singings and other special services. That's right, Jules. And the church is located at 744 Friendship Church Road in Middlesex, North Carolina near the EMET community. On the website, if you click on the Contact Us tab, Google Maps will bring you right to us. We would love to have you, and we hope to see you there. And we hope today's program has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening, and God bless you.